everybody, and welcome to From Plum Creek with Love, a little house on the prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez. Ugh, the countdown is on. And yes, I know we just finished our countdown for New Year's a week or so ago, but this has been a countdown I have been going on with since July. I am talking about going to see Madonna in Seattle in February. I've got a month and a half to go. I know I've already mentioned Mary Gabriel's book, Madonna, A Rebel Life. Strongly, strongly recommend. But another good thing to check out, which I do believe I have mentioned before, but it's such a great podcast, it deserves a second mention, is the podcast All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Hosted by Mark and Kenny, they have been exploring Madonna's entire catalog, starting with album one, track one, Lucky Star. As of this moment, the podcast is going through Madonna's Hard Candy album. They're on track four, Heartbeat. Of course, with it being the beginning of the month, it also means that I get those 15 hours of audiobooks available on Spotify, which would really only allow me to put a dent in listening to Barbara Streisand's memoir. And with that being said, let's get started on today's recap. Today's episode is entitled Laura Ingalls Wilder, Part 2, and debuted on September 30th, 1980. And the episode was once again written and directed by Michael Landon. We begin with Almanzo once again blending in with the background as he dips his hand into some very dry dirt, wondering to himself how many crops must a man fail at before he calls himself a farmer. And unfortunately, all of Almanzo's plans and dreams for the future are blowing away in the wind. We find ourselves then over at Plum Creek in the evening. Almanzo is there with Laura, Charles, Caroline, announcing how the crops, the dream house, the land, his down payment, it's all gone. Caroline sits back and smiles. We've been through that before. But you pick yourself up out of the rubble and you start again. Charles assures him at his age, they've got plenty of time. Almanzo, at this time, announces how the wedding is to be postponed. He actually says canceled. Laura inquires why, and the answer she gets is Almanzo has no idea how he's going to support himself and Laura. Laura, when she opens her mouth to speak, says, if I accept that job, just kidding, what she really inquires about is, how long will their wedding be postponed? Almanzo states, a year or two. He then excuses himself, admitting that his company is not the best this evening. He says goodnight to Charline, and Laura walks him outside. Outside, it doesn't take Laura 
long to state her feelings about this wait period. As a married man, Almanzo does not want to live at his sister's place, and he's definitely not interested in living up in the prairie Airbnb. I want a place of our own, and we can't marry till I can provide. He kisses Laura goodnight and heads home in the dark with no lights. A quick edit has Almanzo arriving back at the Wilder farm. Harv is there, looking through the classic viewfinder. Eliza Jane looks out the window and announces her brother's return with a drat's foiled again expression on her face. Just kidding. She does admit she did not expect him to return so soon. Harv admits the same as well. And actually, he has something important he wanted to ask Eliza Jane. And while Eliza Jane may not get that discussion at that moment, what she does get is a dinner date with Harv at Nellie's restaurant tomorrow evening. As Eliza Jane opens the front door and Harv starts to step out, it almost looks like we might have a kiss. Harv says he'll pick her up tomorrow at 7, which seems late for dinner, and Harv's not done yet. He then tells Eliza Jane how she's changed his life. It's at this point we then get a kiss on the cheek, and it looks as though Eliza Jane has had her breath taken away. We then switch out Harv with Elmonzo, who comes inside the house and tells his sister about the loss of his crops and his lands and how he's just going to bed. It doesn't matter. Eliza Jane is only half listening. She heads over to her diary and with her voiceover, I want to feel bad for Almanzo, but I can't. She continues by speculating how Harv Miller loves her. We cut back over to Plum Creek. I have to say, I don't see the outhouse or chicken coop anywhere. Inside, Carrie is in braids. Albert is almost as tall as Caroline. Laura is dressed to teach. And baby Grace is playing with some dolls. Caroline inquires once more about the teaching position at Radnor. Laura admits to being a litter bug and tossing it to the side of the road. And proving why we love Caroline, she tells Laura that she needs to take that job so she can work her dream job, too, so she can help raise funds quicker, despite the separation. And listening to Mother, Laura announces that she will send a telegram to see if the position is still available. We cut to the schoolhouse, end of the day. The student body is leaving, and Eliza Jane is cleaning the boards, and the corner is empty. Elmonzo enters, announcing how he's going to take his sister home. Harv is busy with a delivery. Elmonzo also delivers a reminder about Eliza Jane being picked up later at 7. Elmonzo's presence there is on purpose, not just to pick up Eliza Jane, but also for when Laura enters, so we can have another laugh moment. Laura Almanzo fight. She's come in to announce she's taken the job in Radnor. Almanzo 
of course, is not having it and decides once again to give another ultimatum. I don't need your money to buy us a house or build a farm. I will get the money. And that's just the way it's going to be. Beth, Eliza Jane tries to speak up in defense, but she is told to stay out of it. And Laura, thank goodness, tells her man-child how the only voice that matters to him is his own. And he doesn't bother to listen to anyone else. She clears her throat to continue. I'm not going to stand around waiting when I could be teaching and helping the man I love. There's an eye roll from me on that. Almanzo, acting like he didn't hear a single word, says the discussion is over. Laura concurs and concludes with, I am taking the job in Radnor. As she turns and makes her exit. Eliza Jane tells her younger brother to follow suit. You'll both regret it if you don't. Alamanzi then stamps his feet and announces he's going to go wait outside. Cut to sometime after seven. We're with Eliza Jane on her date with Harve, and it's a huge steak meal. And she hasn't touched hardly any of it. Nellie comes out from the kitchen to not only check on her customers, but to give us an update on her pregnancy. She's past the morning sickness stage. On to Harriet. Nellie clears the plates, and the to-go box is turned down. Just kidding. Eliza Jane can no longer contain herself and finally asks what Harv wants to discuss. Harv smiles and admits he wants to talk about his demeanor. He's no longer anxious to make jokes anymore, and he wants to be more serious. We also find out here Harv Miller is 34 years old, and that he's never said, I love you, to a woman. And, ugh, biggest facepalm when we find out Harv wants to go back and say it to a Miss Maybell Hawkins, back in Sleepy Eye, announcing his plans to move for the end of the week. He concludes by saying thank you to Eliza Jane for getting him prepared. And unfortunately, yes, let's give some credit where it's due to Eliza Jane. Her smile is hiding so much rage at this moment. She breaks the silence when she inquires when he'll be leaving. End of the week. With Harv leaving, Elmonzo is going to get his job back in the feed and seed and also take care of the farm. Eliza Jane announces, It's time to go home. She admits she needs to be there to comfort her brother. Harv takes her hand and tells her he'll never forget her and all that she's done. And yes, she repeats the sentiment back to Harv. As Harv gets up to go take care of the check, we get a moment with Eliza Jane, who does the best silent crying with no tears before recomposing herself. Alora voiceover tells us a few weeks have gone by and it's close to spring break, after which Laura's decided 
that's when she'll head to Radnor. We get a scene of Laura arriving at the school. Elmonzo drives up to drop off Eliza Jane. Laura says hello. Elmonzo says nothing and drives away. P.S. He didn't even look at her. Inside the school, the teaching staff remove their bonnets, and wow, Eliza Jane steps into the ring when she announces to Laura how she wants the two of them to stop their silent treatment. Laura admits she would like that too, but it's not going to stop until he comes to his senses. Laura states she's got one life to live, I've got an opportunity to pursue my dream, and I'm going to do it. Inspired, Eliza Jane admits she's a little envious. You say what you feel. You know when to speak up. Laura admits it's fatherly advice, and it's not always easy. In the long run, it's the only way. But it's hard when you love somebody. Cut to nighttime at the Wilder Farm. Eliza Jane is asleep in her chair. Manny comes downstairs to announce he has shirts that need mending tomorrow. And from the chair, we hear, no. She has other plans. She's heading to Sleepy Eye to tell Harv Miller how she feels. She follows this up by telling her brother, Laura is 100% correct, that he is stubborn, foolish, and inconsiderate. And for an encore, she tells Almanzo he can mend his own shirts from now on. Manny, with his tail between his legs, thank you, heads back upstairs to his room. Cut to Sleepy Eye, and passing the courthouse school, Eliza Jane is at the reins. She heads to the general store, where Manny's old boss, Mr. Cromley, is there, and tells her, yes, Harv Miller does indeed work there again, but is currently out on some errands. And of course, as soon as Eliza Jane steps outside, Harv Miller is walking down the sidewalk. For some reason, these two decide to meet up in the middle of the road. Traffic moving past them on their left and right. They meet, they hug, Harv is excited to see Eliza Jane. He has plenty to tell her. But Eliza Jane is here taking control of her destiny and says, me first. And she does, she gets right to the point. She announces how she loves him. And from there, the gates open and Eliza Jane lets her heart out for the first time to a man. Arv Miller interrupts her to say he's getting married on Sunday and shortly afterwards moving to St. Louis. Before turning around, Eliza Jane's heart bursts out of her chest and drops to the ground. Just kidding. She carries it inside her as she heads back to her wagon, gets inside of it, and drives away, ignoring the calls of Harv Miller the whole time. It's dark. Again, how do they do it? Especially Eliza Jane as she arrives home. As she enters the house, Almanzo is down the stairs 
very concerned, and he was getting ready to just go out and look for her. Eliza Jane apologizes, but follows it up with, I'm an adult, you know. He inquires if she saw Harv Miller, and Eliza Jane, oh lord, she starts a lie, and it snowballs very, very quickly. She excuses herself to her room, and she tells her brother to go unhitch the horse team. Outside, Almanzo starts to unhitch the team, but in a moment of inspiration, gets in the wagon and drives off into the dark. Cut to Plum Creek. Laura's up in the loft, and she hears a wagon, as well as a knock at the door. Almanzo has come to the door to say he's sorry it's late and asked if he can talk to Laura outside. Our focus shifts briefly to Charles, bringing Carolina a cup of tea, admitting how she's happy someone decided to come to the mountain. And the conversation begins pretty much right where it left off. We're definitely having another laugh moment. It's a stalemate. Laura's feelings are unchanged, and Elmondo is as bullish as ever, which then leads Laura to inquire, why did he come in the middle of the night then? Almanzo states, talk, make compromises. We're getting married after all. You got an engagement ring. And oh boy, Laura takes it off right there. And let's just say, every time Manly Child opens his mouth to say something, Laura's got something immediately prepared to fling right back. Eventually, Manly Child climbs into the wagon with Ring and says goodbye. We cut to the mill. I feel like we haven't been here for a while. Charles watches Elmonzo working over at the feed and seed and decides to be the peacekeeper. Heading over there with his lunch, he invites Elmonzo to sit down and have a meal with him. As they sit down, it looks as though the enchanted cottage has lost its shades of blush and bashful. Almanzo breaks the silence by asking Charles, you know what your daughter's like. Charles, yes, I'm well aware. She's just like me. Almanzo, not doing himself any favors, follows up by saying, no disrespect, but that must be really hard on Mrs. Ingalls. It's so hard to talk to a stubborn person. Charles, taking a few calming breaths, redeems himself by saying, oh, do you talk a lot to yourself? Almanzo admits that he can be pretty stubborn, while in the same breath confidently admits that he is right. Charles wants to make sure if he's correct. Are you sure? Almanzo says he's positive. And always having something to say, Charles inquires, do you know what positive means? It means I'm wrong at the top of your voice. Almanzo suggests they change the topic of conversation and try to just be friends. Cut to the end of the school day. 
Laura goes to talk with Eliza Jane and announces her plans to head to Radnor a week early. She wants some time to settle, meet some people, and look around. Laura then scans the schoolroom and announces how much she's going to miss it. Eliza Jane questions, aren't you going to be back for church on Sundays? Laura says no. Her plan is a permanent move to start a new life on her own, or at least try. Eliza Jane insists Laura should stay for her friends and her loved ones. Laura admits that she can't get over Almanzo if she sees him every week. She says goodbye and wishes the best for her and Harve. Eliza Jane continues to lie by saying how they have plans for this weekend. Before stepping out, Laura out loud wishes how the two of them could have been in-laws. Cut to Laura getting on a stagecoach. Manly Child is over on the bridge, over the creek, passively aggressing, staring over at her. There's a brief moment where they almost catch each other's eye, but the stagecoach pulls away instead. We cut to Eliza Jane sitting near a pond, writing in her diary and delivering a voiceover and confessing how she needs to give up the charade. She writes that with Laura gone, there's just sadness at the house. And while she's not sure how to help, and she does that by identifying her and her brother's codependency. And she wishes there's something that she could do. A little while later, Eliza Jane returns to the Wilder farm and she is searching to find her brother. Almanzo finally returns home and Eliza Jane announces to her brother that she is marrying Harve Miller and they're planning to move to St. Louis. Oh goodness, somebody grab the popcorn. She then inquires, where is Laura? And shouldn't she already know Laura's on a stagecoach? Eliza Jane instructs her brother to go fetch her because when Eliza Jane leaves Walnut Grove, they're going to need a new teacher and the two of them can also have the house. So it was her house. Eliza Jane orders her brother to go after her. And Almanzo, Almanzo rushes into the house, picks up the ring, and heads out the door en route for that stagecoach to Radnor. With Almanzo gone, Eliza Jane starts to walk away from the house as the scene fades to black. We cut back to that stagecoach moving along. No fear of the wagon flipping for Laura, of course, but she does have to watch the young couple traveling with her make out. Outside the wagon, stagecoach, over in the distance, we do see a team coming in pretty fast, with the driver yelling at the coachman to pull over emergency message for one of your passengers. Manly gets out of the wagon and heads over to Laura and shares all the news with her, the real and the fake. 
When Laura states, however, how Manly doesn't want her teaching, Almanzo, uh, why do you listen to me? You know I'm stubborn, and admits the problem wasn't with Laura going away to teach, but the distance. I love you. I brought the ring. Marry me. Please say yes. With a smile on her face, Laura says, can I get back to you? Just kidding. Of course, she says, I will. The young couple and the stagecoach driver all applaud as Laura gets off the stagecoach, leaving her luggage, as it is decided on an impromptu trip to Sleepy Eye, where it seems as though today is Mary and Adam's anniversary. As the newly engaged couple climb into the wagon, Alamanzi mentions how they're going to stop by the house and pick up Eliza Jane on the way. And with seven minutes left in this episode, there is sure to be some tea spilled. We find ourselves in Sleepy Eye, and I can safely say the courthouse school is officially still the Allie G and Baby Adam School for the Blind. The plaque is above the door. That's a heavy plaque. Everyone is around the table, and by everyone, I mean Charline, Laura and Omonzo, Eliza Jane, Hester Sue, Mary, and Adam. No sign of Albert, Baby Grace, or Carrie. The topic of conversation around the table is how everything just seemed to work out. Not only with Almanzo and Laura, but with Eliza Jane and Harve Miller whose absence is explained by him being in St. Louis to get things ready. It's a shame Eliza Jane has to go to St. Louis to get married. They could have had a double ceremony there. It's then asked, when is the marriage date for Laura and Almanzo? And Almanzo, impatient as ever, says, why not today? Charles is all for this plan. It saves him from having to have a wedding reception. Adam, cool. We can remind each other not to forget. Charles admits that is so smart. Just kidding. Charles and Hester Sue excuse themselves from the table to go out and fetch the preacher. And out on the streets, of course, when out on the hunt for a preacher, that's when Charles spots Harve Miller. Pointing to him, tells Hester Sue, that's Eliza Jane's fiancé. They head over and have a meet and greet with Harve. And that's when Hester Sue suggests the double ceremony. Harve, uh, I got married last Sunday. Eliza Jane knew about it. Harve says to give Laura and Almanzo his best and leaves. Eliza Jane and Charles share an eye exchange before continuing to go get the preacher. Charles and Hester Sue return to the Agba. Allie G, baby Adam, school for the blind, still working on it. With Reverend Hartwing, as Laura prepares herself upstairs and Almanzo is busy hyperventilating, just kidding, the group sits down to discuss the ceremony. All except Charles, who heads in the kitchen to look for Eliza Jane. 
Eliza Jane is decorating a cake and she is using gingerbread characters as stand-in bride and groom toppers. It's so cute. Hearing Charles, she admits that she is so happy to see her brother married. That's when Charles says he saw Harv Miller and inquires why. Eliza Jane turns and says, I want to break free. I need to start over, a change. And it's how I can help my brother. He loves me. He's protective, too protective. She continues by stating she knows what she's doing and this makes her happy. She continues by telling Charles after she finds a place to settle in and gets a job as a teacher, she's going to write her brother and let him know the marriage didn't work out. And that way, he won't have to worry. Caroline comes into the kitchen and announces they are ready. And just like Mary's wedding to Adam, we watch Laura's wedding to Almanzo. We see the first kiss as a husband and wife, and we see the family come in and give them congratulations. Eliza Jane comes in from being a wallflower and gives a big hug to her brother and says goodbye. We get a freeze frame on the hug as Eliza Jane's voiceover tells us, Dear Diary, my brother was married today. I've never been happier in my life. Really, I haven't. Well, before we get into reviewing and reading this episode, let's go ahead with just a little bit of trivia. Once again, going to the source material. These Happy Golden Years, the last complete book in the Little House on the Prairie book series, concluded with the marriage of Laura and Almanzo. It's a rather rushed affair when, in the book, Eliza Jane tries to go ahead and plan a more extravagant event. Just like in the episode, there's a very quick wedding. It's over. Laura and Almanzo head to their new house. And in the book, Almanzo is successful with obtaining land and putting a house on it. Again, that's the end of the book. In the beginning, we have Laura's first time as an educator and everything that happens in between is essentially Laura and Almanzo's courtship. And yes, now that we've gone through all of that in a very quick period of time, there is still the last book, The First Four Years, which is an incomplete novel. It's more of an outline if you've never read it before. And again, when Michael Landon and Ed Friendly split the Little House Prairie verse, producer and friendly would have anything that happened to Laura after the age of 16. So as I said in the previous episode, all bets are off of what happens now to the Ingalls, if there's really anyone else involved in the Prairie verse. Oh, and of course, speaking of wedding dates, real life Laura and Almanzo were married on August 25th 1885, which is really only 10 days away from TV Laura and Almanzo, as well as Marin Adams' wedding date. 
which happens to be on August 15th. And we know that because of the wedding invitation Charles and Caroline got way back in season five. You didn't think I would get all this way without mentioning Caroline Fraser's Prairie Fires book, because Eliza Jane is also mentioned in there. Which goes on to say that Eliza Jane showed up in DeSmit prior to the events of the long winter. She had arrived in the area to also homestead as well. And instead of resigning from her position, which would allow Laura to have that spot in school, real life Eliza Jane was excused from her position as educator. And the plan to rush their wedding ceremony, Laura and Almanzo, was all because, yes, they had heard from Almanzo's mother that Eliza Jane was planning something extravagant. Eliza Jane eventually moves away, has a government job, is relieved from that as well, gets married, and eventually has children. So, who knows? This just might not be the last time we see Eliza Jane in the Prairieverse. And with that, let's finally get to reviewing and rating this episode. This is what? Maybe the fourth episode where Laura and Almanzo have been engaged? And it seems all these two do is fight. Or in Almanzo's case, delivers ultimatums. Why are these two even together? Oh, right, it happens in the books. But man, I just have to say, Almanzo is coming off as a D-bag. And no, dear listeners, that does not stand for Dimebag. And again, it seems as though most of these fights are all because Almanzo wants to be in control. So as we witness the debacle that is the union of Ingalls and Wilder, we also get to spend a lot of time with Eliza Jane, who again, we find out has this farm and this house. And I have to say, how does she do it on a teacher's salary? And we finally see Eliza Jane start to change. And I don't want to say grow up, but I guess a better word is develop. She develops a sense of self. She realizes she is an important person. She just happens to put everyone else ahead of herself. She seems to be the one who is making any sort of huge sacrifice at this time. And while she identifies her codependency with her brother, she also pretty much gives into it by deciding to leave her house, leave her job, leave everyone she knows to go start off somewhere else. Why can't Almanzo? Oh, wait, he did when he left for Sleepy Eye at season six's finale. But even then, he can't resist the allure of Laura when he notices her starting to appear more frequently in town to help out with the new School for the Blind. If Almanzo was smart, he would have just packed up and left again and tried to get farther away from Beth. Throughout this episode, I just feel for Eliza Jane. She's coming out of her shell. She starts to express her feelings, although they are immediately trampled on. And then 
trying to save face, what does she do? She starts a lie and is, of course, caught in it. But I guess that's also how Eliza Jane is claiming her own independence. Instead of settling for her life in Walnut Grove, she's ready to just get out there in the world and see what it has to offer her. So, as much as I am annoyed by Eliza Jane's sacrifices for her brother, I do have to applaud her courage for just getting out there in the world and leaving everyone and everything she knows. And the one thing we should know about is this week's Little House moment, which goes to, of course, Eliza Jane. When she has had enough of her brother, tells him exactly how she's feeling, and concludes it that he needs to start mending his own clothes. Again, by this scene, Eliza Jane hasn't identified her codependency just yet. However, she is right there on the precipice of knowing what it's like to share her thoughts and her feelings. And with that, let's finally get to rating this episode. Really, when it comes to Laura and Almanzo, I could care less about them right now. I wanted so much more with Eliza Jane. She finally got a story arc, and what happens? She gets written off the show. Hmm, let's see. The last time a teacher in Walnut Grove tried to pursue anything besides being an educator, they got written off. Miss Beetle becomes a wife, soon becomes a mom, and then leaves. Albeit because there's no work for her pig farmer husband, Oh, let's not forget the time that Allie G was the teacher for a season. And what happened to her? Written off. With a guarantee that she will never come back. And then here, third time's a, I don't want to say charm, but uh, it's a cycle that's repeating itself. Eliza Jane wants to be more than just a teacher. She invests her time, her feelings, in getting to know Harv Miller. And then what does she do? She decides to leave Walnut Grove, aka written off the show. I would say the occupation in Walnut Grove that you least want to have is being the teacher. Unfortunately, when Eliza Jane does identify her codependency, that is when she realizes that for her to be that independent, she has to leave everything behind. You know, this is the Eliza Jane that I would have liked to see more of throughout season six. And so, will we ever get to see this new independent Eliza Jane again in the Prairieverse? I don't know. I haven't seen anything past this episode. So again, no spoilers, but... I do know this. Sometimes, sometimes people come back. Look at Mr. Edwards. We hadn't seen him since the end of season three, and then all of a sudden, partial way through season six, there he is with Grace Snyder and little Alicia. So this might not be a closed door on the story that is Eliza Jane just yet. And that is why we are going to give this episode Laura Ingalls Wilder, part two, four and a quarter bonnet rating. We knew that Laura and Almanza were going to get married, 
It says so right in the title of the episode. So it's no big surprise when they finally get married at the end. But my attention, again, was not towards them. It's Eliza Jane that I really wanted to get more of. And we did in this episode. However, we got just enough of her, so we feel connected with her just in time to say goodbye. And those are just some of my thoughts and feelings about this episode. And as always, I wouldn't mind hearing any thoughts or feelings you have about this episode or any previous episode or season. From Plum Creek with Love at Instagram and Gmail is how you can reach out to me. And with it now being 2024, and if you're looking for a New Year's resolution that's possibly easy to carry through, think about the podcasts you listen to, this one included, and perhaps letting them know how much you enjoy their programming by leaving a rating or a review on your platform of choice. Those ratings and reviews help get the word out on not only this podcast, but any podcast that you feel wants to be shared with a bigger audience. Again, feel free to also check out the Spotify playlist for Season 7, and don't forget to come back next week when we go over Season 7, Episode 3, A New Beginning. And with that, we come to the end of another episode of from Plum Creek with Love, a Little House on the Prairie podcast. I'm your host, John Hernandez, and until next time, take care.